Welcome. To Arcade Audio. Welcome to Shared History. History, have it your way. I will, thank you. And most people will, because Natalie, Happy Indigenous Peoples Day. Ooh, ooh. And by Happy Indigenous, People, Indigenous Peoples Day, I mean it happened yesterday. And by it happened yesterday, I mean we're recording this in August, and it should drop the, the day, day after. after. Until we like mess up our, our publishing schedule, because we decide we want to move something up. Yet again. Um... Welcome to Shared History. I'm your host, Cass. And I'm Nat. And over there, drinking his water right before we talked to him, just like we did, is uh, DJ Rip. DJ Rip. DJ Rip has a rehearsal to be a ringmaster at a WWE, so that was his audition. Oh, I thought it was going to be at the circus. Oh, that'd be good, too. I don't understand wrestling, so the only ringmasters I know are the I'm circus. trying to relate to DJ Rip, or Pod Daddy. Um, Natalie, I bring up Indigenous Peoples Day because we decided to do both of our topics on... Indigenous Peoples. Indigenous Peoples. Uh-huh. Um, do we want to take care of a little bit of biz, a little bit of, little bit of biz up top? I would, I would love to. Uh, Cass has to issue a formal apology uh, for uh, claiming that Reagan was from... Uh, Illinois. Okay, yes. Or from hey, Indiana. First of all, fans, thanks. Or Iowa. God damn it, I can't talk. And Natalie's going to issue a formal apology right after this. Yep. Uh, thank you, fans, for using our email account. We love to hear from you. We did have a correction issued. Uh, I said in one of our previous episodes that mm-hmm. Reagan... Uh, it was in our hometown episode. Our hometown episode that Reagan was from Iowa. I had a large... I, I will say that that is correct, but um, mine was I just was racing through my list and meant to say that Reagan was a uh, a radio sports announcer and um, a reporter mm-hmm. in Des Moines and Davenport for a very long time. Okay. So he, he was not born and or from Iowa, but he, he had a significant impact in he Des Moines. He passed through. He worked there for a while and then went on to be an actor. He has so an Iowa CV. He got his voiceover work done and then moved to the big ol' yeah. Hollywood. Because Iowa's where all grace, great voice acting begins. Hey, we have a lot of, well, I was going to say we have a lot of silent film actors, so that, <laughs> that doesn't help. <laughs> the direct opposite. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your corrections. Keep emailing us. We yeah, because you. you know what? We're not historians. <laughs> nope. We just do uh, we just do a bunch of research and then panic as we uh, tell the stories. <laughs> and then apologize. <laughs> and then apologize later. Um, so yeah, thanks. If you guys ever hear something that you're like, I know that's not true. Um, or like Natalie, you mispronounced that constantly, uh, which I'm sure should happen a lot. We've had a lot. We will have more. We will we have try. more. Uh, uh, you email us at uh, sharedhistorypodcast at gmail and tell us that we're stupid. We already know, but like we like to hear it from strangers. Also, also, uh, you can review us on Apple Podcasts on Stitcher. Yeah, if you think places. we're not stupid, please. <laughs> yeah, only only if you think we're not stupid. Give us some stars. Uh, we've had some lovely um, feedback and reviews from fans, and we'd love to hear more from you. And maybe you'll be featured on our Fan Friday. 
Just, we just love it, and, it and it, it helps people find our podcast. Yes, it really so, does. It goes a long way. It's it's the science of the internet that I, I could explain to you right now, but it's just we are experts. You in probably that. wouldn't wouldn't mm-hmm. get it. So Al Gore taught me all the secrets of the internet. <laughs> oh yeah, our friend Al Gore Rhythm. Yeah, <laughs> that was <laughs> that was a rip spe- quip. Rip quips. <laughs> Rip Quip. We've decided we have a new segment called Rip Quip. And by segment, that's just what we're calling it. Yep. That's just another term we've come up with something to annoy Rip with as Rips. he tries to produce his podcast. Pod Daddy's going to drop some beats, which, as we all know, are facts. And mm-hmm. he may even drop a bop or a Rip Quip. <laughs> but first, uh, let's uh, let's get down and dirty in some history. Let's get down and dirty. Um, so I, I wanted to... Uh, we're going to jump over to Australia. And little disclaimer, um, I want Natalie and all of you to know that I did not choose this topic so that I could do an Australian yeah, accent. Yeah, you did. I, no, and I'm, I'm actively going to not I don't do th- one. I don't think we've made it through an episode without you at least giving us a sorry. No, I don't think I've done one at all. Oh, maybe it's in all of our, maybe it's in all of our bonus content. Well, it's just me in general. Yeah. I love doing Australian accents and you know what? It's not a super accurate, I will say that, but I think I do a good job of trying to make it authentic and not like a cheesy American saying shrimp on the Barbie. I've listened to enough David Tennant podcasts this week that like we could do an episode that you're Australian the whole time and I'm Scottish. That would be great. It sounds like a nightmare, um, but, <laughs> but take but us so, to Australia. So, so we're going to jump over to Australia. I want to talk to you about um, what is referred to as the stolen generations. Okay. Um, so the, uh, the indigenous people of Australia um, who are called the aboriginals, um, which is basically just a catch-all for um, indigenous people over there. It'd be like how we call Native Native Americans. Americans. And then there are so many different tribes and and differences between them, but we call them all Native Americans. Um, The aboriginal people uh, were, between the years of 1905 and 1970, there was government-mandated forcible removal of indigenous children from their families. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, Australia was settled by Europeans in like the the 1780s, I believe. Europeans just always leaving Europe. Yeah. <laughs> and they, uh, Australia became a, a nation in 1901, I believe. Um, and as early as like 18, the 1860s, there was legislation put in place to essentially social control over them. It's mm-hmm. like, legally we can do this and we can do it because we decided we can. Um, it's the, it's the original, uh, the secret of just, you just put it out there. Put it out the in the universe. World. Yep. The Europeans. Oh man. Um, after, uh, the indigenous populations dropped dramatically after white contact, which is what it said in this one article. And I'm like, oh man. Um, after the Europeans colonized, um, the indigenous populations were just decimated. Um, wonder why. Uh, and so can't imagine. Can't imagine. Um, the Europeans assumed that they would just die off. That these um, these peoples would become extinct, and so they would um, take away their children who were uh, mixed race. Okay. Um, because Europeans came in and started doing some bad stuff and did a lot of people diddling, mm-hmm. um, and so. The Europeans told themselves, this was their rationale for it, um, that 
it, that these, they call them half casts, C-A-S-T-E, like yeah. cast systems. Um, they, they thought that... Uh, Not to be confused with a half cast, which is a, a cocktail... <laughs> Of what is in that cocktail? Uh, old style and coffee. <laughs> Man, I'm not an old style person, but I'll, I'm trying I would to think try of it. what beer I see you order. I'm a I'm a horde Bud Light. I love it. Oh right 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 right. Yeah. Then, then. I I just know a half cast as the original skateboard trick that Cass has come up with. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which please explain what I what I do. It's very impressive. Yeah. Very impressive. It, it's basically. It's uh, like an ollie and then a kick push shove it. Right uh, onto a soccer ball. Yeah. <laughs> And it usually ends with a cry in pain. I love soccer and have bad knees. Um, so, so, so they they um, they rash they rationalize this by saying that uh, Aboriginal people would not accept uh, mixed race children back into their tribe. Mm-hmm. You know, like when you touch a baby bird and then its parents don't want it anymore. Which apparently that's not even true. Um, and, what? And the same is true for stealing children from oh, their families. Well, naturally. Um, and they, so they saw it as like they're like rescuing. Yes, they're taking in these unwanted. Yes, and and then they they took the mixed race children and then they would put them in like religious run or uh, organizations or charitable places or federal um, uh, res- reservations and whatnot. And their goal was to assimilate them into white society. So they would change their names. They would punish them if they spoke their indigenous language and they would they called it like training essentially they would teach them about european society um okay wait 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 so they're not even taking these they're not even they're not taking these kids and then like putting them with their like their i'm gonna assume all european fathers like they're not like no, you're not, you're not gonna be welcome. No, no, no. In your nation anymore. So, so the dad will take it's over. It's just like you literally just deciding that you're an orphan yes. now. Come here. If you are a ward is, of the state. If there was any like semblance of uh, European parentage, um, if they were white at all, um, they would take them because they thought that the lighter skinned uh, children um, would would integrate into society easier. Aren't there just lighter skinned Aboriginal people though? Like who are like 100% um, Aboriginal? I feel like that has to happen occasionally. Uh, I don't think so. All right. Um, and, and any sort of, you know, European influence yeah. physically or racially, uh, they would take them away from their homes and they would, they told themselves like, in the Wikipedia article, it made it the beginning made it seem like they were worried that these populations were going to die out, so they were just. It made it sound like they were worried they were going to die out, and then in, in another article I read, they, it was like we're going to, for Help lack of it. for lack of a better term, breed them out. Which yeah. I I feel like that term sounds horrible, but uh, it's. I mean, but so is stealing children. So. Yeah. Um. So if the horrible shoe fits. Yeah. Uh, they actually, historians and social scientists or whatever, uh, have been trying to determine if this could be classified um, legally, scientifically, whatever, as genocide. If the intent was to actively uh, eliminate eliminate these yeah. these uh, populations, it very much fits all of the criterion for genocide. Okay. Um, 
so yeah, that's super fucked up. Um, there was, uh, let's see, let me go through. There, there's over 400 distinct aboriginal, aboriginal guys, I'm talking so fast. Um, 400 distinct aboriginal peoples that have been identified. There are tons of different uh, tribes and cultures and languages and whatnot, but they've only been able to identify 400. Um, uh, let's see. Just a cool 400. Just a cool, yeah. Uh, there was a, um, a government position created that was, uh, well, there was a board, the Central Board for the Protection of Aborigines, um, which essentially was just created to control what they were doing. But again, it was one of those like, we're here to take care of them. And like, uh, so it would say the duties would be to watch over rights of Aborigines, guard against encroachment on their property and protect them from acts of cruelty, oppression and injustice. So in their minds, they use that as like, see, we're doing good. But that was just a way. We're helping. Yep. That was just a way for them to say like, Oh, we're doing this for their own good. Just trust us. Mm -hmm. um, each state, I believe there are five states in Australia. Your, you, your Northern Territory, Western Territory, Victoria, and Tasmania. What is, what is, I like, I know from like a map and whatnot, but I wonder if there's like a scale of the size of Australia, like where Australia would fit, like on the continental US. It's about the same size as the continental US. Oh, okay. It's huge. Uh, I know it's huge, but I figured US is so big. Six states. Six states? Yes. What's the one I missed? New South Wales, Western Australia, Queensland, South Australia, Victoria, and Queensland. Tasmania. Yeah. Okay. Down in Tasmania. Down in Tasmania. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I asked because I did a, a, when you said that they've only identified 400, uh, I was like, oh, I wonder, because the U.S. is, I assume, at least slightly bigger. Yeah. Um, that I was like, oh, I wonder how many uh, tribe uh, tribes or uh, nations uh, there were there are 573 federally recognized Indian nations yeah. in the United States. And, and they've changed throughout cause uh, uh, Aborigines have inhabited Australia for like thousands and thousands mm -hmm. of years. Um, so I'm sure those have fluctuated. There was one here that's not yeah. there anymore. But like, so, so, but just like in context, like 400 is still like a lot. Yeah. Like if, if the U S is a comparable size yeah. and there are only like 570. Yeah. Absolutely. Identified here. Like, that's, I mean, those are a lot. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and it's just, we put them in as catch-all, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but so there was the, the Central Board for the Protection of Aborigines, and each state appointed, it's just the names that really piss me off, Chief Protector of Aborigines. So oh, God. these, the, the role included social control up to the point of who people were able to marry where they lived and how they managed their finances. So if you had any, um, any Aboriginal descent, you had to ask this guy permission to marry. And so that was part of the like, nope, you can't get married because we want to, you know, this is our design for you're too Aboriginal or you're a little white. So we're going to yeah. take you. Um, so they would well, and also probably to prevent them from like marrying, I imagine that they were like prevented like any like marriages that would like unite nations and like help consolidate power or marriages that would like be between uh, 
uh, an Aboriginal and a European. Like, I think it was mainly. I think it was mainly like we don't want um, Aboriginal populations to grow. Grow. Yeah. Um. So. So yeah. So they would. Um, children were forcibly removed from from their families, put into church-run missions. Um, and later they created segregated reserves and compounds. Um, and they, some, some of them were taken from hospitals shortly after birth. Like they would literally, oh, you're born and we're going to take you immediately. And I'm mm-hmm. assuming a lot of the mothers like didn't know. They're like, yeah. where's my kid? Um, there were uh, horrible records taken. Like they would not include like their actual parentage they would not include their original names where they're from when they were born so that once they aged out they were essentially wards of the state until they were around 18 and then once they aged out they couldn't find their parents yeah and a lot of times i think they would like the children they would take they would like transport so it's like you're you're far away so like so as a kid too we like i don't know where i'm from i don't know if i should go you know, back to Northern territories. I don't know if they're from Queensland. Like, I don't know where I'm going. So once they aged out, it wasn't like, well, now I'm going to go back to my family. It's and even if you did, your education was like 100% based on European culture and like not being an active part of. Exactly. And, and so they, they have no connection to that culture essentially. Mm-hmm. And, and their language has been wiped out. Um, we, uh, this is yesterday was, uh, Indigenous Peoples Day, which has been renamed from Columbus Day, mm-hmm. um, on, let me see if I can find the date, uh, in Australia, <clears throat> excuse me, in Australia, uh, in, on May 26, 1998, the first National Sorry Day was held, which is, I just think, a great name. Um, and it's to remember and commemorate the mistreatment of the country's Aboriginal people. And it's literally just like, Sorry, which sorry, which you know what I think is is the least they can do, and I wonder how many like we don't have that in the United States for well, no, we would, anyone. We would never uh, act using sorry admits fault exactly, <laughs> um, and and there is also so there's this it's called Australia Day, and it's the national the National Day of Australia, which I'm assuming national holiday, but it's just weird that they said the national day, um, and it is January 26th, and that is the day that the Europeans landed, settled, and like put up the UK flag. Um, and I, there, was, there was this interview with um, Aboriginal peoples, uh, and they were talking about, they said, what does Australia Day mean to you? Mm-hmm. And it was devastating. And yeah. they're like, you know what? We are Australians, and we are proud to be Australians. We're not proud of all of our history, and... Australia was founded as a nationhood on this date. Why wouldn't Australia Day be on that day? Why would why you? Why would we celebrate? Why would you the- actively choose the day that murder and genocide and and began began? Yeah. Um, the the day was chosen because that was clearly when they you know put the flag down and everything, and they said that because Australia was founded as like to as uh commonwealth to put like convicts and everything right yeah so when uh so it was kind of like all those like degenerates georgia. and whatnot that came from do you say like georgia yeah georgia that's why, why georgia was <sighs> like a penal colony yeah i thought you meant the state yes I really the state. the state of georgia the state of georgia 
Wow. Man, you really don't know U.S. history. I, to- I told you I'm trash. <laughs> um, but but they said that, you know, all the, the, the convicts and the degenerates that came from Europe, like, celebrated that day because it was like, oh. For them, it was like an exodus. For them, of, it was great. Yeah. Uh, of convicts. Or like or like the nationhood one. Yeah. It was or like our crime rate went way down <laughs> since we shipped them all. Um, so so on Australia Day, uh, January 26th, um, most people and, and aboriginals, maybe not most people, but the aboriginal people celebrate it as the day of mourning. And it's a protest to Australia Day. Um, they Much kind of like the reclaiming of Columbus Day exactly. as Indigenous Peoples Day, because why are we celebrating? Exactly. Why are we celebrating a man who didn't find this landmass? Yeah. Uh, why are we celebrating a lost Italian? <laughs> um, so By that there criteria, is, you just celebrate me. Yeah, Rip is Italian American and, and I have always no lost. idea where I am. Uh, he just wanders from swamp to swamp. <laughs> so, <laughs> for real, though, um, the uh, the the stated aim of uh, resocialization, which is what they called uh, ch- you know child removal, they're like it's resocialization. Um, was to improve the integration of Aboriginal people into modern society. Um, there was a recent study, however, that reported that there was no tangible improvement in the social position of "quote unquote" removed people as opposed to non-removed people, particularly in the areas of employment and post-secondary education. So, what they thought was like, "Oh, this will help them, and it'll give them a better life." Um, there's really no difference between employment, between how many people go to college, how many people have access to college. And then, like, there's a lot of, you know, crime rates and, uh, you know, drug abuse and whatnot because of the trauma of yeah. being forced into these societies that they're... They said that we want to we integrate you into uh, European culture so that you're not treated poorly. But, but really, we're going to basically create an even lower class yeah and we're gonna integrate you into the lowest class we're gonna throw you into the society of people who are going to now be awful to you in closer Mm -hmm. proximity yeah um and a lot of them were essentially just it it was it was forced servitude it was slavery enjoy poverty they the the a lot of the girls were trained to be domestic servants and most of the boys were trained to be agricultural laborers Mm -hmm. um and yeah, there is there is a quote I want to read from one of the I don't know what year this was, but this this went up until the 70s. Children were be, 1970s. People were being taken from their families in 1970. Um, so there this was a a guy a quote from a guy um, a quote from a guy when he was when he was when he was released from yeah. government control. Um, it says I was. I was requested to attend at the Sunshine Welfare Offices, gross, where they formally discharged me from state wardship. It took the senior welfare officer a mere 20 minutes to come clean and tell me everything that my heart had always wanted to know. That I was of aboriginal descent, that I had a natural mother, father, three brothers and sister who were alive. He placed in front of me 368 pages of my life together with letters, photos and birthday cards. he informed me that any surname that my surname would change back to my mother's maiden name of Angus. So he didn't know if he had a family. 
And then all of a sudden he finds out he has a whole family, yeah. like his siblings. And and the part that really got me is that who were alive. Yeah. Like I'm sure most of these people, if they knew, if you knew like, oh, I remember being taken from mom and I remember my brothers and sisters. Um, I wonder if they're still alive. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, it was devastating and they, they've done, so in 1997 they did a national report called Bringing Them Home, which was to... Resisting an urge to sing labels. I'm not gonna do it. No. Alright. Um, I've realized because I have the 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 shoddiest range and I can't sing a lot of um like female roles because it's too high and then most male roles are too low. Bring him home is right in my sweet spot. Oh. <laughs> I'm a high tenor. Uh-huh. Um but uh in 1997 it was the bringing them home report and it was to go over everything that had to do with uh, child removal and kind of go through the, the stats, the figures, how many people did this, did this affect, who did this affect, how did it affect them specifically. And uh, I saw an article actually about um, African Americans in the United States of like people now have PTSD from, mm-hmm. like they can scientifically say from 200 years yep. ago, African-American people have PTSD from the, the effects of slavery. Yeah. And I'm like, no shit. Yeah. So they're talking about the trauma of even, even people now of any sort of indigenous descent in Australia. Because well, um, you, you, you 100% in, can inherit trauma. Yeah. Because it changes like how you live your life. So then it changes how like your... It has chemical reactions and everything. Yeah. And it's, it's super fucked it up. It becomes both like nurture and nature. Exactly. So, so that report was done in 1997 and there were a bunch of like recommendations of like, these are steps we can take. These are social reforms we can do. And then one of them, they, they recommended um, an apology. Like, no shit. Yeah. Um, and... Oh, where did uh, I write free this down? therapy should be totally part of reparations. Seriously. Oh, and there were there were never any reparations or of any sort not. of compensation. They had talked about it a little bit, but it, it got shut down. Um, so yeah, the report. Uh, one of them recommended a national apology in like nineties in ninety seven when the report was given. Ten years later, in two thousand eight, on February thirteenth, um, the Prime Minister Kevin Rudd presented an apology. Uh, to indigenous uh, Australians as a motion to be noted on by the house. So he had to like pitch this apology. Yeah. Um, like I can't just come out and say sorry without the approval of the house. Yeah. Can we vote on this? And they Can did. We- and they voted on it. So, so Kevin Rudd, uh, he, he like read out the article to parliament. Um, and then afterwards he gave a, t- a 20 minute speech on you know like the need for this action, um, the opposition leader Brendan Nelson also delivered a 20-minute speech endorsing the apology, but also referred to under policing of child welfare and like a bunch of other racist stuff. Of like, yeah, we should apologize, but guys, these are like really bad communities, and yada da da. Yeah, um, not taking responsibility for the condition of exactly and the systemic oppression of the community. Yeah, he's like, oh, this is really bad. Now let's blame them for shit. Um, so thousands of people across Australia tuned in to watch these hearings um, in like public places. And it says that when Nelson spoke, the opposition leader, thousands of people in these public areas 
turned their back to <gasps> the TV. Yes. And I'm just getting that image of like, I'm sure people were in restaurants and bars and went out all watching this together and just like collectively turning their backs. They said in Perth, people started booing and jeering until people would turn their screens yes. off. And then it, it didn't word this super easily, but in Parliament itself, I think people got up and turned their backs to Nelson. Yes. Um, the apology passed unanimously. Naturally. Nobody wants to be on the wrong side of that. Nope. But uh, six of Nelson's uh, fellow opposition party left. So they, oh, so it passed they, unanimously because they abstained from voting? No, no, no. no. They, they all voted for it, but uh, six of them just left to protest. So they voted for it and then they left. Yeah, just to be like, fuck you. Like, we're paying. Like, we're voting for it because we want it to be on, like, written record that, like, we got yeah. the right thing. It's, it's even them, like, even they but knew, like. But we're so like, mad. Yeah, even they knew, like, yeah, we need to apologize for this, but also, like, let's go back to talking about, you know, the underpleasing of them. And, you know, they're yeah. still whatever. Um, look, look what big people we are for still voting for this thing. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, I wrote. <laughs> In Parliament, some turned their backs as well. So, I think I uh, they they, <laughs> they, they, they made it word like they turned their back, but I uh, they worded it very weirdly. I have a question. Yeah. So this was 2010. That it was this? 2008 that the apology was was okay. When did you say that a sorry day was made oh, a thing? So that was made like in oh let's see because it's was like that? you already you all, like that was in '98, I believe. Yeah, uh, May 26, 1998. So that was a year after the Bringing Them Home report okay. was published. Yeah, um, so they like, okay, they made a day, they titled it, sorry. Like, that's, by legal standards, that's an admission of guilt. Yeah, uh, why wouldn't you just... Like, why, like, you already recognized, and it, like, you already acknowledged Yeah. officially, like, just make a public... Why wait another 10 GD years? Yeah. I like how I'm, like, saying heck and... GD as if we haven't already said fuck this episode. <laughs> uh, the, the day of mourning has been celebrated since 1938 um, by by Aboriginal people. Well, I was going to say because that sounds like something yeah, that they that, celebrated on their side, exactly. and it wasn't necessarily like a yeah. And and they still celebrate Australia national, day. and, and yeah. it's one of those of like, I mean, a lot of these indigenous people. I mean, they're like, yeah, we're Australians, we're proud Australians. Um, it's not like they like hate their country. No, it's, they're just we let's be better yeah. and. They, Let's acknowledge like what horrible things happened in yeah. the past that like, like that like yeah we, we love our country today but let's like acknowledge all the awful things that yeah, were done. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with to get critiquing to and are. improving. Yeah. So so they so a lot in a lot of these interviews I watched they um they're like yeah let's keep Australia Day. Let's move it to the date when Australia became a nation officially. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. Um and it's it's just it's super fucked up. They uh, there are um, I'm I'm looking through my notes. Vamp. Okay, I was gonna say something anyway, so it's perfect. Do it. Uh, I would love to like try and find and maybe do as like a like a bonus episode on Patreon. Hey, you guys, you can you can support us on Patreon. Support Arcade Audio on Patreon and say that you listen to us. Name drop. Uh, oh yeah, say you listen to us so that we get all your yeah, so you love, affection, and monies. Uh, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and just brownie points. But I would love to do like a bonus episode sometime where we find, um, where we just like list off holidays, like like national holidays places that like 
the idea behind the holiday, you're like, yeah, but then like the date that it's on or the actual event oh, it's yeah. commemorating is like real fucked yeah. up or yep. just like weird. Yeah. We like, talk a lot about just kind of like the branding of things. Yeah. And and just like resocialization is actually this and yeah. stuff like that. Yep. I love how like unvarnished National Sorry Day is. But yeah. it also sounds like the the purge for empaths. <laughs> like it could just be like the national day of just like Hey, reach out to someone. Sounds you like owe a Canadian holiday. To. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like it. <laughs> national Sorry Day. <laughs> Every day is National Sorry Day, and <laughs> and the great, great North, great White North. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, the the first person to coin the term "stolen generations" um, was a history professor, Peter Reed. In 1981, he wrote an article called. The Stolen Generations, and then he expanded that to a book. Man, when you said Stolen Generations, I didn't realize how literal that yeah, was going to be. Yeah, no literal. Like, um, lit, literally stealing babies. Yeah. Uh, it, it was expanded from, from an article he wrote, and that came out in the 80s, in, in 1981. Um, in the mid to late 80s, there was a huge uh, push for, like, there's widespread awareness of what went on. Like, I'm sure no one everyone knew what it was but there was no i mean it was uh, again conveniently swiped mm -hmm. under the rug um so he wrote this article and and this book uh, talking about it and then there's this widespread awareness that was in the 80s through efforts of aboriginal and white activists artists musicians um they started bringing attention to it so then by 1997 like they were like the report was published in 97. I'm sure there was a shit ton of information to go through. So I don't know how long they were working on the report. But I think a lot of it has to do with like in the late 80s. It's like, guys, this happened. Let's bring awareness to it and mm -hmm. let's start talking about it. Um, and yeah. And then so in 1998, after it was pu published, the first uh, Sorry Day happened. Um, there's There's a great movie which i wasn't sure if it was a great movie because i saw it back in 2002 when it came out so i'm like it was a really interesting movie i wonder if it was well done so i watched a little bit of it last night it was a pretty good movie like, i recall enjoying this movie yeah but i was in a different place in my yeah. life you know uh, my standards i just wanted lower. to make sure it was like good quality yeah. you know um not just a good story uh it's called the rabbit proof fence um in i think it was like the 30s and 40s they made these long pest control uh, fences to keep um, any sort of like animal, rabbits, whatever that would decimate agriculture and farms mm -hmm. and whatnot to kind of keep them out of the Western territories. Um, and so there was a book called Follow the Rabbit Proof Fence, which was written by Doris Pilkington Garamara um, about her mother. Her mother's name was Molly Craig and she was taken from her family. Uh -huh. So this is an account of her mother's story. Uh, she was stolen from her family and she was put in this like mission and then she ran away and to find her family, she literally just stayed on the fence. She followed the fence all the way down to back to her family. Um, and so she wrote a book about it. I, I've only seen the movie. I would love to read the book. Um, the movie has a, a, a vamp. I was, I'm just going to guess. Can I just get has Brendan Fraser, Kenneth Branagh, close. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like Brendan Fraser, <laughs> Kenneth Branagh, uh, Brendan Fraser in a desert. I uh, know uh, Kenneth Branagh plays uh, A.O. Wells. What's his name? Just this horrible guy who was the uh, 
chief pr- protector of aboriginals oh, in the Western Brando Territory. Plays bad guy, so good. He does it so well. I wonder why. Um, how dare you leave Emma Thompson? Wow. Uh, she got Willoughby in yeah. the end, so good for her. I, in my head, he's just playing uh, the same character from Wild Wild West. <laughs> I, saw, I saw an interview with a bunch of Brits uh, who were like, who does the worst British accent? And they're like, oh, it has to be Dick Van Dyke, of course. And like every single person said it. And then Kenneth Braun was like, they're like, uh, who, uh, what's the worst you know, American accent? Yeah. What's the hardest American yeah. accent? He goes, my character in Wild Wild West. <laughs> <laughs> it was great because Matthew Good, uh, who another uh, uh, celebrity crush, he, they're like, who does the worst American accent? And he goes, I'll be damned if I'll slag off another actor and then <laughs> takes a swill of scotch. I'm like, you're such a classy dude. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a great movie. It's, it's really hard to watch at times. Um, super fucked up. Uh, check out the book by uh, Doris uh, Pilkington Garamara. Um, it's just, it's devastating. And, and any sort of, uh, nation that's colonized by Europeans, horrible shit happened. Yeah. Clearly. Right. Um, happened in the United States. Uh, I mean, you know, horrible shit happened in Europe too. Yeah. So, but, but there's no, I mean, for the most part, there's nothing in our constitutions that say like, this is only for white people. It was intended that way, but they never mm-hmm. actually say No, they it. put in they put in other things basically that would make it so that it was only for exactly. white people. Exactly. Um like, and or they like say owning like owning property. Yeah, or they or, say like uh you know black people or native people or whatever don't get these things, but they never say like only white. So, in Australia, oh no. It was called the white Australia policy. No. It was called that. Um, I mean, I guess like kudos them for just saying what it was eh. and not like it was also like we, like again unvarnished. Yeah. yeah. So so this was a set of his a set of historical policies um, to forbid people of non-European ethnic origin from immigrating to Australia. Uh, most of it was racism. Yeah. A lot of it was was economic. There was a, a big, they're called the gold fields. There was a big gold rush in Australia. Um, and people, the Pacific Islanders and, you know, people from Asia, like, they're right there. They've been going to Australia for centuries, you know. Um, and then they saw them as kind of a, an economic threat, you mm-hmm. know. So it says Chinese people specifically were taxed additionally to come into the country yeah. at all. And they, um, they, they, the labor parties uh, really pushed this white Australia policy because they were taking, you know, like, oh, if, if we can legally say you people can't come over here and work, like, cool, more for us. Yeah. Uh, there, I think it was, I want to say it was cane sugar, but there was, there was some big, you know, agriculture, cash crop or whatever. Um, and, and, if, and then it, it changed the labor units, like, they pushed it just from gold and um, agriculture to like furniture and whatnot. So anything they ha- legally had to be labeled made with Chinese labor if stuff was not yeah. all Australian made. Um, the policies were dismantled between 1949 and 1973. That's a long time to dismantle them. Like, yeah. And, and of, of course, it's still going on today. But like yeah. it was straight up called white Australia policy up until the 70s. Like go back to calling it what it is. Like this yeah. stuff goes on everywhere, mm-hmm. but it was it was just so bizarre to me that it was just called that. 
I would love to study more of the history of Australia because like, I feel like I only know like a handful of things about Australia. Uh, one that it was colonized uh, as like the, like as like, like as kind of like a penal colony as like sending all the convicts yeah. over um to, which then creates like a fun weird uh thing to think about to think about like them being so kind of protective of the land and whatnot and like uh like hooray europeans when it's like they were cast out of europe yeah um but also then the only other thing i really know about australia is that like if there's a species of something that's gonna kill you it's, it's from, from Australia. Australia. Oh, oh, let's do an alien movie about these fictional spiders that are eight feet tall. Nope, they exist. Yeah, they're, they're in Australia. That's not fictional. Uh, so whenever I like combine those two, those two only things I really know about Australia, I'm like, man, that's fucked up that they were like convicts. Go to this landmass that's just yeah. filled with eight foot spiders and like spiders that can eat entire birds. We're gonna send you to Mars essentially. Yeah. Uh, so then. Like, to me, landing there and one still being like, hurrah, Europe. Although it wasn't really hurrah, Europe. It was probably just like, hurrah, white people uh, and people who are like us. But also, like, in general, like, even with, like, uh, even with, like, uh, the colonizers of America, of, like, landing and not being like, this is a new area and we don't know what we're doing. Yeah. Can, like, let's get along with everyone so that, like, we, they can help us out. And we can survive these giant spiders. Yeah. Well, and it, and it's interesting. Like the fact that that doesn't happen, and instead it's just like us versus them, like immediately. Yeah. Like, well, and it, we we talk all the time about America being such a young country. Like Australia is, you know, they so uh, James Cook, uh, you know the Cook Islands, yeah, yeah. Or whatever. He was the person who kind of settled, right? Yeah. But the Dutch had been mapping the coastline of Australia since like the 1660s. Yeah, but they were like, there'd be dragons. There'd be dragons, seriously. There no, seriously. They would map out the coast, but no one ever like, was like, let's go settle or explore, um, which I mean. it was like a horror movie. Probably anyone exactly. who got off the boat and like uh, walked onto the landmass was never heard from again. Yeah, Australia was originally called New Holland, but then James Cook came and he's like, cool, like let's settle. Um, Settle for me. No. No, 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 settle for me. Is anyone playing the drinking game at home? If y'all are playing the drinking game, please let us know because I I will go through and take tallies sometimes. There's a lot of drinks. Yep. Um, But it was originally called New Holland. And then in 1778, I believe is when it was actually like settled. And then it was a commonwealth of Britain for a long time. And it still is, but Mm -hmm. it's it's its own. It's like Canada. It's its own nation now. But it wasn't until 1901. Like, this is, it's only 100 years old. Yeah. It's a little BB. It's a little BB. Um, so it's, I it's, mean, it's bizarre. Yeah, I don't know nearly enough about Australian history. No one does. Because also. Because there'd be dragons. Well, also, like, uh, back to the the indigenous people, um, they say even the indigenous peoples, uh settled mostly on the east coast right Mm -hmm. so the i believe the tiwi islands are just off the coast of the northern territory and then there's a high concentration i want to say victoria is one of the the southernmost state and there's you know there's a lot of uh sea there 
port whatever yeah, yeah you know what i'm talking about um and they were highly concentrated in the you know like the north and the east and the southern coasts because it was livable mm-hmm. there were uh, the entire like if you cut australia in half and then all and everything on the west it's like barren desert yeah. like it is horse land people still live there yeah. but clearly it wasn't super it wasn't the most concentrated popular. no yeah um so e- like it was like there's how we said that nobody lived in Florida really. Like until people didn't stay in Florida yeah. until air conditioning. Yeah, it's uh, it's not true. People lived in Florida, but it's like right uppity white people wouldn't go to Florida yeah. until there was air conditioning. Uh, it's, I mean, it's it's a it's a large country. Yeah. It is the size of of the United of continental United States, and uh, people only live on this you know kind of one strip, whatever. Yeah, it's all cons- that's <sighs> yeah Australia, man. The more you learn, the more you something my my tag at the beginning of the show i don't think i got back to it history have it your way <laughs> that's uh the europeans motto <laughs> yeah oh god no guys it was it we did it for their own good it we are awesome uh bringing it bringing it home do you have a slick segue no i don't uh <laughs> bring them home over to your yeah i'll topic. bring them home to over so uh, hey that's ha- how i broke my leg on yeah. a slick segue <laughs> That was not a rip quip. No, that but was, but uh, but you dropped a few beats in there for us. Thanks for yeah, I tried. Um, <laughs> I I looked up was, another thing a, while you were talking. Slip. I don't even remember. A rip. <laughs> that, that's a different. That's an entirely different thing. When you when you started talking and you said that they're called the. S- <laughs> I'm sorry. That sound is never not funny. Uh, when 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 you started talking and you and you called them the stolen generation, I in my brain then like about 10 minutes after you said that was trying to remember what you called the generation. And in my head was like, did she say the silent generation? What does this have to do with our grandparents, grandparents? There was a, a booming film industry in Australia. Yeah. Actually, it's really funny. Cause, uh, in like the early to mid two thousands, like Oh fives or whatever, every like famous actor was Australian and there's still a lot. Like, yeah. They make some good actors over there. And there was just this huge like exodus from Australia to Hollywood. And I just want to say like there's some real good actors in Australia. Kate Blanchett, Hugh Jackman, Margot Robbie, Hugh Jackman, Nicole Kidman, Guy Ritchie, no Guy Pierce. Sorry. I was like Guy Ritchie's not Australian. Um Ben Oh, there's another actor who uh, looks, he looks what? Ben Kingsley's not Australian. No, he's uh, Sri Lankan and British. Yeah. Um, That's the first Ben I could think of. No, there's this there's this really like kind of squirrely looking actor who, it's one of those of like, I saw him act and I'm like, oh yeah, I have a crush on you. But if you're just to see him in regular, you're like. Oh, he's Ben Wishaw? Nope, he's, he's British. British. Yeah. yeah. He's another one where I'm like, I saw him in Bright Star. You said squirrely little actor and I was like, he's a squirrely little actor. you're talking about Ben Wishaw. I, I was a huge Keats fan in, in college when we would go over that like, Fucking love Keats. He's what so emotional. Fucking nerd. And I saw him in Bright Star. I was like, oh my god, you sweet, sweet boy. Except Keats was just kind of like, oh, poor guy. Poor guy. Anyway. Uh, anyway. <laughs> so I, uh, I'm actually, I decided to dig a little deeper into something I already have talked about. Uh, because the joy of researching and choosing topics for this podcast is that oftentimes Cass and I start doing the research and then we find like we click a link we click a link we click a link and we like we're like I've never I've never heard of this I'll be like looking for historical context about something and have like, you ever played the Wikipedia game uh where it's yes, like it's like I'm gonna college. give you I'm gonna give you a topic like I'll give you like stolen generation and then you know like 
something, some other random topic, yeah. and then you see how many clicks it takes, it takes to get to from get, one yeah. page to the other. We used to do that in college a lot. Uh, Nerd. <laughs> whatever. You were like jacking it to Keats. So. <laughs> uh, oh, I but, spilled my coffee. Uh, <laughs> That'd be the second time he, you spilled your coffee. He's today. just so sad that the the idea of <laughs> Cass's type is uh, sad, artistic men, sad, pallid, artistic pallid, yeah. skinny. Uh, <laughs> Rip, you know that's your type too. I'm just thinking of Cass's spinoff podcast, Keats in a Real. <laughs> rip quip. That was a rip quip. Um, no, so I when when in in our very first episode <gasps> um, bringing it back bringing it back in our very first episode I uh, when talking about Wilma Mankiller uh, who is a Native American activist uh, and general badass uh, I with a great name um, killer name uh, I didn't even mean to do that didn't you I did uh, I I mentioned that like I was I was listing off a bunch of kind of uh protests and like uh activist activities uh that she participated in mm. or had a role in especially when she's about, in san francisco are you gonna talk about alcatraz yes i am yes! uh which means that undoubtedly nick cage will come up always um the maze so, so i very <laughs> i've never even seen wicker man and i know no. uh when, i need to when we play dungeons and dragons literally anytime there's any suspenseful moment of like the DM being like, and you open a chest. I always shout like, and bees fly out. So much so that I want to write a D&D campaign where every, like, where the big bad are bees. Or like, there's like, elemental bees. Nerd. Yeah. I get, like, Did somebody say Arby's? <laughs> no, your bees. No, your bees. Um, my bees. Uh, my bee, everybody. Oh, what if they called it? It wasn't sorry day. It was my bee. <laughs> <laughs> nah. No, that'd be like the millennial, like, we're V sorry. It's like, yeah. no, we're not calling it that. We're not calling it that. Um, no, so so one of the things I touched on, and I like, I did like a brief run through because just reading about it, uh, clicking over and reading about it. Uh, you said, for, I'm going to go, I'm going to talk yeah, about this in a future episode. Yeah. And I, I say a lot, but like going back and, and digging deeper into it, I'm like, I did a, I did a decent job of like three minute cliff notes of the occupation of Alcatraz. But I wanted to, I wanted to like give it, give it some time. Cause it's pretty dope. Um, so in, uh, so before setting the stage for the occupation of Alcatraz, I mentioned this in episode one as well, but in, uh, in 1868, uh, there was a treaty of Fort Laramie. And in this treaty that was between the United States and the Lakota, uh, it stated that all retired, abandoned or out of use federal land uh, was to be returned to the native people who once occupied it. So that is like the precedent or like the justification that was cited for uh, for why Alcatraz could like belonged to uh, the native like the the Native Americans because in um, nineteen sixty. Uh, four. four, I think. Nailed it. Uh, in 1960, in 1963, basically, um, the, uh, I don't even have this in my notes. I'm trying to remember this. I think in 1963 was when the um, uh, Alcatraz, pri like the the prison on Alcatraz, got uh, shut down and went out of out of use. And then it was officially declared surplus land in 1964. 
1964, uh, a small group of Sioux activists, about 40 or so uh, folks, including like photographers, reporters, and, and a lawyer, because you always got to bring along a good lawyer. Always. Uh, took back the island of Alcatraz. Um, and the protesters offered the federal government, like they made a public offer to the federal government uh, that was the same amount of land, uh, same amount to pay the government for the land, paying them the same amount that the government had initially purchased Alcatraz from uh, the Native Americans for, which was 47 cents per acre, or uh, $9.40 for the entire island. Uh, a chunk of which isn't, like, usable, because it's so rocky. But, but so they were like, hey, uh, you said that anything that was surplus could was should go back to the Native Americans. Um, we're going to take this back. And, you know, but it's a square deal. We're not just going to take it. We'll pay you what you paid us for it, <gasps> uh, which Shade. I love. Uh, and it was, uh, so this was the first occupation of Alcatraz. That's not really what people are talking about when they say the occupation of Alcatraz, because it only lasted a few hours. Because That's right. the protesters were threatened with felony, um, like to be, yeah. And so they were, they, they left. Um, they're like, we made our point. All right. Uh, our, our, our lawyer that we brought with us is advising us to leave. Uh, but it got, it was only a couple hours long, but it got great media attention for indigenous people's protests for civil rights um, and for self-determination. It's basically, like, basically not to end up in this, like to regain autonomy and the right. ability to like not have to check in with the government anytime they wanted to do something um, and whatnot. In like the 70s, really, there was kind of like in, in Australia, there was a big push for awareness for Native American rights, yeah. wasn't so there? So this is like this is like cited as like as like the, the this first occupation is and the and the the second one are cited as kind of like a spark to that. Got it. Um, because it it only got it got like positive press and it like was it was only a couple hours long, but it was enough to call attention to it. Yeah. Um, especially in the Bay Area, uh, where there were a lot of Native Native Americans and and a lot of Native American activists in the Bay Area, which and this, I mean, has a lot of resonance today. Of like, oh, you're protesting correctly or a way that's palatable, yeah. to media attention, yeah. right? They're it's peaceful. Nice, they're like, sitting down. They're protest. getting out in a few hours. Yeah, because they're um. So their their argument was. I tried to figure out, I was looking to see if there was ever actually specifically, because I was like, okay, so they're using the, the Treaty of Fort Laramie as, as uh, the justification for this. So I was trying to figure out what um, Native American nation yeah. used to be on Alcatraz. And I couldn't find, a like, there wasn't a, just a specific nation who it belonged to. Um, but in but like Alcatraz was a huge part of uh it was like a huge part of the, the nation in the area. So it was, uh, I found that like for 10,000 years before the Europeans even entered the Bay Area, because it took us a while to get over there. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, Indians would travel to and from Alcatraz. Um, it, the island served as like a camping ground. It was used as a place to hunt for food. Um, and at one point, it this is uh, before there was this even is, this is before the Europeans even got to the Bay got Area. It. So there's um, no so this is castle. like yeah. Uh, there's no, there's no Nick Cage, uh, and so at one point even uh, funny actually this should have been my, 
this should have been my segue from Australia. Because uh, at one, Rip, can we rewind? Yeah. <laughs> at, at one point, uh, the Native American uh, tribes in the area used Alcatraz as an isolated and remote place for law violators. Ooh. So like they used Alcatraz as an unofficial penitentiary. penitentiary before there was a penitentiary on it. Um, because it's like super rocky. 65 in iron pen. God damn. <laughs> National treasure! I, it wasn't 65, something in iron pen. I. It's a penitentiary. I love that Cass just telegraphs when she has. Yep. Something like that. Yep. She just says it. She gets in. She gets out. You guys, you guys can't see me, but I literally was like, like, like bouncing. The, yeah, yeah the like, bounce happens. The eyebrows go up. And Natalie like looks down at her and I was like, cast down. I'm gonna keep. Oh, there, there she it did is. It. She did it. And uh, we're back. What's great it. about this is I've never seen National Treasure, so like I we should do a watch along. We, we should. should I have like weird recall when it comes to movie quotes and so like it's the most obscure things that like no one should memorize because it's it's pointless um and and i people are like how many times have you seen that movie it's like i've seen it once yeah you're, you're 10 years ago you're a rain man of useless i can't remember where or when i am but i can tell you i mean neither neither can rip he's a lost italian um <laughs> so so this is 1964 so they did this like shortly after it was declared surplus got it uh cut to 1969 in october a fire destroyed san francisco's american american indian center um I don't know if the occupation was in response to that, but I felt like it was like an important thing to note that like this happened in like late October, uh, that this fire happened. So, and then in November, was so, there a library involved? There's always oh, libraries. I'm sure there were books. They burned so good. <laughs> so good. They were so good. God, why all the, why all the good libraries gotta go? Uh, I don't know. Poor, poor one out for Alexandria. Uh, so in so early November of 1969, following this fire, a protest group uh, that deemed themselves the Indians of All Tribes, or IOAT, also IAT sometimes, uh, led by Richard Oakes, who is Mohawk, Lenata Means, uh, who is uh, Bannock, but I think like, uh, yeah, uh, of the Bannock Nation, uh, and their spokesperson for the protest, John Trudell, uh, who is a Santee Sioux, uh, and a couple others, took a boat over to Alcatraz Island, uh, swam to shore, uh, and claimed the island by right of discovery. Uh, which I love that phrase, because it's just like, we discovered this. Technically, we discovered this like over 10,000 years ago. I declare bankruptcy. Uh, yep, that's how you do it. It's like if you shout it loud enough yep. first, it's yours. Uh, so they, a couple of them, uh, November 9th, took a boat over. We're like, we're doing this again. Uh, the Coast Guard quickly removed them. They're like, no, 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 no. Later that, so later that same day, November 9th, uh, a larger group went over. Uh, 14 of them stayed the night that time. Uh, and like the Coast Guard tried to set up like a blockade, but they like, they skirted it. Um, not all of them made it to the shore. Some of them like did get caught by the blockade and had to turn around. But Did four- they use the tunnels? The, what? No. You, have you seen The Rock? I've only seen the first like half there of There are the no life. tunnels, but they had a big like tunnel. Oh, we'll use the tunnels. Naturally. I'm sorry. I, I'll stop. Um, I'm going to go watch it tonight. <laughs> uh, we should watch. We need to watch The Rock also. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So 14 of them made it to the island, stayed the night, again claimed uh, the island by right of discovery, citing the Treaty of Fort Laramie. 
Um, and then, and then they left with their own accord. Um, Oaks made a point of saying that it was a symbolic act. Uh, and it said, quote, if a one day occupation by white men on Indian land years ago established squatters rights, uh, then the one day occupation of Alcatraz should establish Indian rights to the island. I love when they can just like throw back. Oh, there's so much of that in this like, where they're like, like if, if the Treaty of Laramie, how they're like, oh, you know, this law you wrote. Yeah. Cool. We're going to use We're going to actually make you uh, honor it. Honor it. Uh, and but also just like the idea that like they're like y'all came here and like stayed here for like a night and then like peaced out and and that was all it took yeah all it ever took was one night of a white man sleeping somewhere for him to decide that it was his so it should be the same if we do it back to you oh we should like, we shouldn't have to stay here we stayed one night yeah it's ours now dibs uh you weren't using it but um we we left a lawn chair yeah. And now it's yeah. ours. Yeah, we dibsed it. That's how you... We put a lawn chair and an ironing board down. That's how you park in Chicago. Uh-huh. Uh, so then on November 20th, 1969, so this was November 9th, so now no, no, end of the month, uh, they're like, nah, we're going to do it bigger this time. Uh, 89 American Indians, including over 30 women and six, chil six children, uh, set out to occupy the island. The original group, uh, I, I looked this up just for you. Um, the original group included actor Benjamin Bratt, uh, <gasps> who was of Peruvian descent, which uh, I'm sure Cass could cite his IMDb because she is weird. I mean, but Miss Congeniality. You might know him. the Snickers. You might know him from Miss Congeniality, Traffic. Uh, That's right. He's a voice in Coco. Was he? Um, yeah, so he's Peruvian American, born and raised in the Bay Area. I don't know Benjamin Bratt's. Uh, filmography as well as I should. He was, He's in a lot. He was a lot in like the like late like the the turn of the century. Yeah, late nineties, early two thousands. Like he was a babe. Yeah. So him and his siblings were like. I among didn't know he was those. Peruvian. He's yeah. He's Peruvian American, uh, born and raised in San Francisco. Yeah. Um. So he and his siblings happened to be part of the group that went over for like this now like major occupation of Alcatraz. Mm -hmm. Um. Despite the attempts of a uh, Coast Guard blockade, they took the island. Um, the that island, just always sounds cool. Yeah, we, we took, took the island. Took the island. Well, so the island had like a guard. Because uh, yeah. uh, like, they're not using it, but there's a and guard on the island. What year was this? 69. So it wasn't... When we went to the moon. <laughs> not the year after. <laughs> not the year after. But, but when... Cause so this wasn't a tourist trap yet. Because no. now... No, like, they literally had like stopped using that. Stopped using it in 60... Like stopped having... The penitentiary there in 63 ha didn't do anything for it with it. Yeah. And it was like, now it's 1969. And they're like, great. Now we're going to throw, 10 years later, we're going to throw a tourist trap on there so people have to stop taking this island. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like, meanwhile, I mean, they just threw Jim over there. Just like, you're the guard now. Yeah. Gu yeah. Guard this island. The guys don't want to stay here you alone, know, You know how you used to spend a lot of time making sure that nobody got off this island? Now can you make sure nobody gets on this island? <laughs> That's just how Jim talks. They just sent like the their least favorite guard over. Fucking Jim. I love it. They're just like, Jim, you know what? You microwaved salmon again. <laughs> so you're on Alcatraz duty. <laughs> Jim is the Karen of the office. Yeah. God damn it, Jim. <laughs> uh, so this island's alone guard, he had been like warned that they're like, they're probably going to come back. <laughs> they left their lawn chair. <laughs> You'll be fine. Uh, so he sent out a message on his radio that said, Mayday, Mayday, the Indians have landed. 
which I love. Uh, which the first response was, shut up, Jim. Jim. <laughs> that's like, it's like the British are coming. The British are coming. Yeah. Uh, if, but only if like the British had actually originally, like the land was theirs to be. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, yeah. This guy's like a Sybil Duddington. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rip quip. Call back to episode one. Well, this whole thing is a callback to episode one. I love it. Rip uh, quip. So they got there and they took over the warden's house and the old guards quarters. And, you know, they just went through a nice nesting period. Uh, and they started personalizing the island with graffiti. So the, some groups, a lot of that graffiti you can actually still see. Uh, some of it's been covered by like signs, uh, like with like history about the penitentiary. Um, but uh, they would write like "peace and freedom" or just like "welcome, uh, home of the free Indian land." So I went to Alcatraz when I was I don't know like middle school or high school. Um, my aunt lived out in San Francisco. We visited. We did Alcatraz. Granted, it was a long time ago. I wonder if they talk about any of this. Like, I'm sure, because they've got all the, like, oh, we're in this, and here's a little placard that's going to give you a little blurb about this, and then go to the next section. Or have your, like, have your headphones on, where when you step into this area, it tells you about this. I don't remember, but I wonder if they have any little, like, by the way, there was a Native American occupation over here. Yeah, I've, I've got a little bop at the end of this. Oh, hit, hit us with a, hit us with a beat. At the end of this. Okay. Yeah. It's enraging me right yeah. now. All right. So. Uh, oh, and like some of the graffiti would say, would say uh, said like uh, Custer had it coming, which is, of course, referring to George Armstrong Custer oh, of the, of the uh, American Indian Wars um, and the Civil War. Uh which, if we're ever talking about the civil civil war officials and generals, now I just want to like bop it over to Rip because in Florida we l- recently learned that in Florida they have they have streets named for Confederates. Lots of um, but uh, yeah, so they're like they they decorated, uh, they put up some art, um, and uh, and to announce their action to the world, they issued the Alcatraz Proclamation, which uh, cited the cause of. Uh, of why they decided to take Alcatraz uh, as the general treatment uh, of Native Americans under the uh, Indian termination policy. Uh, And also just like, they just accused the United States of breaking numerous Indian treaties, which is interesting since they're using uh, a a US Native American treaty to say that that's why they have a right to this land. So they're also being like, this is our, this is what you said. Also, remember all of these all of these treaties that you never honor. We have the receipts. Yeah, yeah, they keep receipts. Um, and then they cited their intent on the island was to build a Native American Studies Center because their one in San Francisco had just burnt down, uh, a spiritual center, an ecology center, and an American Indian museum. So they're like, listen, guys, we just want to like do this awesome thing we just like you're not using this land yeah. ours burnt down think think of what you could do with the property in uh san francisco this would be a great moment for a national sorry yeah. moment it's like you can have the lot back in san fran we'll take this <laughs> here's my impression of uh, the united states of america at this time but no it's but, ours but it's mine uh you weren't playing with it yeah but now i want to what but a g- fucking only child yeah <laughs> yep uh uh, but again, and uh, uh, again, they're like, "But it's a fair deal." So in this, in the Alcatraz Proclamation, which in my head I read as "Caddy AF," but in the best way. Oh yeah, like real, like real, like per my last email, <gasps> um, the greatest mm, opening. Uh, so they again offered money 
they offered $24 in glass beads and red cloth. Fuck yes! Which is the same price that the Indians supposedly received for the island of Manhattan. So they were like, we'll pay you what you paid us for a much larger and more usable island. Mm -hmm. This one is much smaller, but like we understand inflation. So if that was, if that was what that island was worth all those years ago, surely this much smaller island is worth that now. That's so Um, magical. Uh, and uh, and they even like in the proclamation say like we know that land values have risen over the years. Our offer of a dollar twenty four per acre is greater than the forty seven cents per acre that the white men are now paying the California Indians for their land. Uh, they also were like, don't worry, like, uh, we'll we'll uh, we're not like we're not that worried about the kind of lack of resources on this property. Um, because they said, we feel that this so-called Alcatraz Island is more than suitable for an Indian reservation as determined by the white man's own standards. Because y'all are building us these reservations and these reservations uh, don't have fresh w- running water. And so they literally like list. Um, they just the- had a roadie on hand because oh, they were breaking so many mics. Yeah. They're mics. just dropping mics. <laughs> we need another one, Cliff. Yeah. Uh, Jim, Jim now works for us. They're like, we'll we'll take care of like educating everybody on this land. We'll teach them the proper way of living. We'll offer them our religion, our education, our life ways. But then I love like this, like it's a fine, re- it's a great, res- it's suitable for an Indian reservation per your own standards. By this we mean, as me, I'm reading the proclamation again. By this we mean that this place resembles most Indian reservations in that it is isolated from modern facilities and without adequate means of transportation. It has no fresh running water. It has inadequate sanitation facilities. There are no oil or mineral rights. There is no industry, and so unemployment is very great. There are no healthcare facilities. The soil is rocky and non-productive, and the land does not support game. There are no educational facilities. The population has always exceeded the the land base, and the population has always been held as prisoners and kept dependent on others. So basically, this already like this is exactly like what you guys quote unquote build us for reservations. Oh, uh, the amenities are just as lacking. I also love that, like, not only is this shady, but it just is, like, do you understand how unreasonable Mm -hmm. you are being? Like, we're we're putting it this way because we know you're going to say no. Yeah. And it makes you look like an even bigger dick, and you're still going to say no. Yeah. Like, I just like that they... Just to be Mm -hmm. right. I just like that they they go into it being, like, just... Hey guys, you're already doing this. You don't have to take care of us at all. I imagine that that's how he, how they were reading it too. It's yeah. like, hey, hey guys, <laughs> inflection. Um, oh, uh, that's and amazing. they said all further, it would be fitting and symbolic that ships from all over the world entering the Golden Gate would first see Indian land and thus be reminded of the true history of this nation. Get it? It's uh, so good. Frat snap. Frat snap. So good. Um, this tiny you guys island, couldn't hear it, but Rip was snapping. This tiny island would be a symbol of the great lands once ruled by free and noble Indians. <sighs> oh, I love it so much. I started reading this proclamation. And I was like, this is everything. <laughs> uh, 
so receiving this proclamation and knowing that removing the Indians by force would be just a a whole big thing, mm-hmm. just a PR nightmare. Uh, the Nixon administration was like, well, just like, well, just like, let them hang well, out of course on the it's island. Nixon. Yeah. They're like, well, just like, well, just they'll be fine as long as it's so peaceful. Fuck away. They're like, we're not, we're not acquiescing to their requests, but we're also, don't you dare bring Pirates of the Caribbean into this. <laughs> um, but they're also means no. Uh, they're also Jeffrey Rush, also Australian. <laughs> Is, I didn't. I didn't know that. Uh, he is. Uh, the the like they're like we like mm, we don't want to like really pick this fight right now. As long as they're being peaceful, like we're not giving in to them, but we're not gonna like make a big deal about it. Uh, as long as they're peaceful. And then later they sent uh, negotiation. Like they sent negotiators over. Uh, the the Nixon's special counsel Leonard Garment was their negotiator. But this isn't about him. He's not important. Uh, this isn't about him. Greg. Uh, the, so that occupation, this frustrates me. Like two sources I read said it lasted 14 months and two sources I read said it lasted 19 months. I suppose I could have done the math, but I guess it like depends on whether you're, I think it kind of depends on whether you're counting when like the last occupiers left versus when they were starting to be like forced to be, uh, to leave. But still. That's yeah. That's more than a year. At its height, because I'm math good. <laughs> I'm math real good. Uh, at I'm an old, and I'm math good. At its height, there were four uh, four hundred people uh, on, living on the island. Uh, native and non-natives uh, brought brought them food and supplies, including Wilma Mankiller, who we've already talked that's about. That's right. Wilma. Wilma. Uh, a Blackfoot. How did we not get that in yet? Because we were we were having too much fun with every other name to di- we couldn't Pearl Wilma Pearl Mankiller Horatio or it wasn't Horatio it was now Hector Olaya Debardal yeah Debardi De- 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 uh, <laughs> Recall uh, a Blackfoot longshoreman which I just want to sidebar anytime I read the word longshoreman uh, I feel like I, my body is conditioned as a female to like. Kind of be like, ah, oh. because there's always like in like in movies, there's always they're always like burly men. <laughs> I'm just what's the uh, persuasion? Yeah, yeah, Austin. Yeah, how it's like, oh, these like long the the navy men, and I can't marry you because you're not reputable, and then you come back and you're this dashing Syrian Hines. Yep, that's the actor. well, and then anything in uh anything in uh. uh like there's there's like, a, like, Steele. like modern modern uh, movies and television. There'll be like a longshoreman on like it's always in like New Jersey or Boston, um, and it's always you just like completely different. It's era. just a gruff, just a gruff blue collar gentleman. <laughs> is what I just think of I can't read the word without my body spasming. Natalie, I think it says more about you. I can't break from the union. Yeah, I can't. The union's got me. <laughs> um, although right now it's just making me think of season two of The Wire. Um, so a Blackfoot now longshore man. my body man, just cringed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, was it because of Idris? Or cringe was, it cringe of, was the wrong word. Yeah, Shudder. Shudder <laughs> Island? No. Is that? No, that's Leo. That's not, yeah. Uh, his, this, this Blackfoot longshoreman, uh, Joseph Morris, rented space on Pier 40 to transport supplies uh, to Alcatraz. One occupier on the island was Grace Thorpe, who is the daughter of Jim Thorpe. 
who was uh, of the Sac and Fox Nation, and he was the first Native American to win a gold medal for the U.S. <gasps> oh, um, what event? I think pentathlon. That's a hard one. Yeah. Um, I also think, if I recall correctly, like his gold medal was like revoked at some point. Of course, because it was Match. what prize seventies. Uh, but uh, so she had like a celebrity father uh, made some made the celebrity connections. So like Jane Fonda, Anthony Quinn, Marlon Brando, Jonathan Winters. Anthony Quinn. Mm-hmm. Did your body shudder? And <laughs> uh, now you're a cat. Uh, <laughs> Buffy Saint Marie, Dick Gregory, all of these folks like visited and or sent support. Uh, or vocalized support uh, for the occupation during this time. Credence Clearwater Revival donated $15,000 so that they could buy a boat uh, for reliable transport of people and supplies. Fuck yeah. Because the Coast Guard was still trying to fuck things up. Did they do a concert? Uh, that would be amazing if they like did a concert just on Alcatraz. Creed, yeah, Credence Clearwater Revival, Live at the Rock. <gasps> uh, That's a great name. Right? Can we get the band back together? Let's do it. We're getting the band back together. Um, uh, I think like they had like a radio station that was either broadcasting from the island or was like Is that covering what pirate radio. Was about no, no, but no. that's a thing. Like pirate uh, radio, yeah. Pirate radio was a uh, wasn't like the, the movie. Aren't they? It was East it, Coast. Like, yeah, but but that's they weren't the only people that did that. No, no pirate radio is like a thing. Yeah. Cool. Um, I don't know if the station was on the island or if it was just like a station that was covering mm. the occupation, oh, God, God. but it was called Radio Free Alcatraz. Um, they uh, they struggled with clean water and electricity and whatnot. Like the whole time they were there, the government would like turn off and then turn on and then turn off the electricity. Not like rapid fire, like a rave, but like they're just periodically. Not in a fun way. Not a, not <laughs> in a fun, crazy party way. Uh, they would just shut off all the electricity to the island in an effort to try and make them desert it and give up the occupation. Um... But all in all, things were going okay. Uh, and they generally had public opinion on their side because they're like, we're not bothering anyone. Yeah. You're not using this land. Again, that goes back to like, oh, protest the right way and make yeah. it palatable. And yeah. it's like, fuck you. Also, the well, like they were making their point. They exactly. just like, there's like, there's no need for. Yeah. But the only reason it it would turn violent was if the Coast Guard turned it violent, right. really. Um, and, and the importance of public opinion and the importance of celebrity uh support which you know yeah. we talk a lot about it with the pay gap or with you know anything and people do the like oh stick, stick to hollywood stick to acting we live in celebrity culture and when celebrities decide to take a stand on something shit gets done well it's like you wouldn't which, expect those people like celebrities are humans and they have an opinion they yeah. just also happen to have a platform they do not exist for your entertainment alone, they don't yeah. have to pretend that they don't care about something so that you'll like I love the still see their movies. Colin Colin Kaepernick, which again, a a beautiful way to protest. You know, yeah. he he kneels down after talking to a Marine yeah. and he's like I respect our country so much so that I'm going to dissent and dissent respectfully. And everyone's like, Oh, he needs to shut up and he he sh- should stop being, you know, so vocal on media and everything. We always talk about like if you have a platform to make things better, use it. Oh, but we don't like your platform, so don't. Also, I I don't know, I can't remember the specifics offhand, but literally like doing the national anthem before sporting events is a relatively new thing. We're and the it only was, country that does it. And well, and it was added in the U.S. as like as basically like I think like recruitment propaganda. Yeah. Uh, uh, so baseball, like during yeah, during the but World it's Wars. like it's it's 
very recent that that was like even a thing that we did. And they're like, it's so disrespectful to the sport. It's like the sport didn't used to do this. They did it because they like we had are, a deal with. We are the, the only forces. country that does this for sporting events. Um, outside of like outside of like n- like world well because they do it at the cup and they do it at the olympics yes yeah, so if it's international that's why we, yeah. that's why other countries do it but like premier league in in the united or in the united kingdoms they have like their club anthem or something yeah. um no one no one plays their national anthem before domestic league sports yeah because international it's like we're playing for like we're playing for our country we're representing our country like yeah. so it's like a time to show national pride it's like kind of silly to do also, it when you're playing people within your own country. also if you want to talk about disrespecting we're the on flag the same team. official flag code says like you shouldn't be wearing a jumpsuit of the united states flag or like have your beer oh, yeah. koozie have like fuck off you don't care about the flag you care about yeah. whatever you're trying to stop other people doing yep uh back to back the to rock. alcatraz uh so uh yeah so up until now they had like public opinion on their side everything was like going okay despite the fact that like they didn't have we they kept constantly struggled with clean water and power and then in january 3rd 1970 yvonne oaks the 13 year old stepdaughter to richard oaks who is what like the original leader one of the original uh people who led the occupation fell to her death on the island in a tragic accident. And in the wake of this, the Oaks uh, said that they just didn't have the, it, they didn't have the heart for it anymore. That like they, they couldn't stick around. I mean, again, around. that's after what, 14 to, 14 to 19 months. Yeah. Like you're uh, already fucking worn down then someone dies. This is like November to January. So this is like, what is it? Three months. Um, but so they left and this was kind of the beginning of the end, but they had like, built up some pretty good traction those first couple months. When you say she fell to her death, like off one of the, off the actual, I assume so like off of like the, the building. Cli- no, or I assume off, off the of the cliffs. Yeah. Um, I couldn't find a ton of yeah. detail on it. Um, so after that, like they had, then they had a stretch of time where, um, people from like the hippie and like drug culture and scene of San Francisco kept moving to the Island. Uh, probably being like we support this and like peace but it just like it it muddled the message and it yeah and it muddled the reputation of uh the movement and then it allowed media politicians to yeah it gave them it gave them something to be like Mm -hmm. to point at and say this bad uh so they to kind of rectify that they were like oh it's fine if you come over and like demonstrate with us or like bring supplies and like want to learn about our culture and whatnot and learn about the occupation. But then for a while, non-Indians were prohibited from staying overnight because they were trying to like basically keep uh, drug users from like setting up dens yeah. on the island uh, as kind of being like, we won't get caught and in trouble for its stuff yeah. over here. Um, the remaining leaders, uh, uh, Means and Trudell and et cetera, were trying to rebuild the reputation. They gave tours. They both were like no strangers to like giving interviews and uh, to like the press because they grew up in activist families. Uh, they helped report on like how the reservation worked, uh, what they were, what they were trying to like teach people uh, on the island, uh, and they also were trying to negotiate. Means especially was trying to negotiate for a grant. <clears throat> they were trying to negotiate a grant for the cultural center, uh, which was like their intent from the beginning. 
because I had to add him in because his name is great. Uh, Robert Robertson. Good name. A Republican working for the National Council, Council on Indian Opportunity arrived in 1970, I think in early 1970, uh, to kind of like see what was going on, check in, uh, make sure everything was still peaceful, uh, kind of negotiate. But like while he was there, they were like, great, we're going to use this guy. We're going to talk to him. He's who we're going to like pitch this grant. Mm-hmm. We're going to try and negotiate and propose this, pran- this uh, grant. So he was surprised that they had a meeting. Uh, they had like a discussion on like safety and negotiations regarding the occupation. The first time he was over there and he was surprised that only 10 men were present in that meeting. Well, while 40 American Indian women were like present and active in the discussion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he offered uh, to build a park. Uh, he was like, we'll build a park on this island that would be for Indian use, but like, we're not going to like let you have the island. Um, but the, uh, the IOAT were determined to possess the entire island and build their cultural center. Yeah. So he continued to refuse a grant proposals until finally the government transferred Alcatraz to a different department, basically. So he just like stalled until it was no longer an issue for the National Council on Indian Opportunity and is instead uh, the Department of the Interior and National Park System. Yeah. So meanwhile, uh, Means continued to push trying to get high profile attorney to represent their claim. Uh, she traveled near and far to like make connections and, and, and further their cause. Only to return to the island and the and uh, Trudell, who was the other one who came, was one like one of the initial leaders, kind of disagreed with her uh, tactics and uh, ultimately there was a power struggle. Uh, a lot of the remaining occupiers agreed more with Trudell, uh, and he disagreed with Means, and so this is what was ultimately detrimental to the occupation of the island. I assume that in like hippies coming over. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so then by late May, the island had no telephone. This is 1970 still. The island had no power or telephone service. Uh, a fire of a mysterious source mm. uh, destroyed a bunch of the buildings and their public support was diminishing. And so slowly people were like leaving because they're like, well, now we just straight up never have power. Yeah. Uh, and this isn't going anywhere. Uh and then finally, in June of 1971, a large force of governments removed the remaining 15 occupants. Uh, that also sucks because they went from 400 and then just like seeing, oh, bye, bye guys, bye. And yep. then it's just, just 15 yep. of them. Uh, uh, and, then there were, and then there was one. Uh, the occupation was recognized, though, as a huge success for, as we said before, like attaining uh, international attention. Uh, not only for the situation of people in the United States, but uh, and having a direct effect on federal Indian policy, but it was also like hugely visible for indigenous rights everywhere. Um, it established a precedent for Indian activism. There were like 200 bouts of uh, like civil disobedience following like of of Native Americans just in San Francisco alone, like following like the initial like yeah. short uh, occupation. Um, and uh, it, much of, oh wait, uh, there's a quote that one occupier told the Los Angeles Times. It said, they said, uh, Alcatraz has unified Indians for a second time. The first time was against Custer. Uh, Custer had it coming. Custer had it coming. Uh, and much of the Indian rights activism of the period and beyond could be traced back to this occupation uh, of Alcatraz. 
Uh, it was noted as, quote, the symbol of a newly awakened desire among Indians for unity and authority in a white world. And it led to uh, an, an annual celebration, not called Sorry Day, <laughs> um, but uh, an annual celebration of the rights of indigenous people called Unthanksgiving Day. That is... Uh, on? It's on Thanksgiving, and it's a ceremony held at dawn on Alcatraz, and it still goes on. Oh, that's cool. Uh, so it's always the third Thursday in November. Um, and yeah, so they, uh, it was a force for indigenous peoples everywhere because of the importance the I island held yeah. in the lives of their ancestors and, uh, of kind of in the wake of, of this occupation and Spiro Agnew's support for native American rights, uh, federal policy started to, at least for a little bit, um, shift, uh, towards a discussion of. Uh, Indian autonomy instead of termination. Yeah. Um, because they were like reservations were also like kind of like weeding them out. Yeah. Um, I like Nixon actually started vocally uh, favoring uh, and promising a push for uh, self determination, but then he got all like mad in 1970. That lasted like a year. For like a year, he was right. like, this is fine. I agree. And then uh, Native Americans occupied the Bureau of Indian Affairs in 1972, and he got all like sour and surly. Mm. He's like, I thought we were friends, and then you had another protest. <laughs> Nixon mad. Hold on, I gotta go burn some files. Yeah, I thought that I thought that me loosely talking about being okay with you guys being autonomous and like taking more control over your lives and just talking about it was going to patch everything up. Man, I give you guys so many empty gestures. Yeah. This is how you repay this me. sucks. Do you know what's cool is that uh, Alcatraz in the 60s and 70s was probably unknown to most people outside of San Francisco. Yeah. Right? There was no, I mean, there was no tourist whatever no. there was no the rock yeah you know and and the fact that this kind of obscure little island this protest there sparked this this awareness for all native americans and then and wilma Mankiller like brought it yeah. back to oklahoma and she's yeah. like cool we're gonna start all these programs and you know, not just awareness for people but like actually start to make the changes on the ground for people yeah. to make things better and i love that they're they just wanted to educate people. Mm -hmm. And it, it was, it it should have been like, guys, you fucked us over and we deserve this. But they made it like, we just want to tell you what's going on. And we yeah. want to tell you about our people. And we have really fucking cool history. And you're not using this land. And you're not fucking using this land. And, and I... Like, it's been a year since it closed and it's already in disrepair. And, and they could have easily taken the park... Yeah, sure. We'll take a national park. Yeah. But but that just is so reminiscent of all of those again empty gestures. Well, or like, we'll give you a little putting bit. Putting a park there for their use is is a destination that they can like go visit. And they wanted like more of they wanted a cultural center. Yeah. Like, they wanted a cultural center, but it's like they wanted a like a community. And they're not going to settle didn't want for a, a day trip. Yeah, they're not going to settle for like. Oh yeah, like that's a really good idea. What about if we just give it just a little bit? We'll just yeah. do a little less, and which is you know what white yeah. people have been doing their entire history. It's like yeah, no, we really want to help you out. Um, we'll give you this to start, and we'll we'll make it better. It's like the no, fuck you like, guys. Fool, fool us once, fool us a lot. We're not compromising on this yeah. one. And I mean, I mean it. It sucks that ultimately the the occupation. The, the, 
you know, yeah. it, it didn't, well, and then it I, didn't it, fail. Like they didn't get their cultural center, but again, it sparked finally like an, a nationwide debate. And yeah. Like, but then the U S swooped in after they like finally kicked him out and we're like, and now let's this monetize is a this. historical landmark. And we're going to monetize it. Yeah. That's kind of the, the biggest fuck you. Like we didn't give you our cultural, your cultural center. We weren't using it before. And now we'll make it a tourist destination for American history. And I white American like, history. I don't even know. I don't know that much about the history of Alcatraz, like the prison mm. uh but it's like are we turning every major penitent defunct penitentiary well, into a historical landmark i think that one is just special because of the dementors um yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> oh that's azkaban Sorry. no they're the same no they're the same they're, they're the, the same. same yeah 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 i mean uh, it's also he, i remember uh i mean I, oh, and it's he, because of the county monte cristo it's because he escaped from oh, azkaban that's right um, uh, and uh, Jim Caviezel was yeah. in that. Also, mm-hmm. also Anthony Hopkins. Also, also Guy Pierce. That's right. Yeah. Also Luis Guzman. Nobody cares about Luis. No, I'm kidding. Hey, <laughs> he's Guzman. such a great character actor. Uh, I forget that he's in that. I, I do enjoy that movie. It's kind of a guilty pleasure movie because it's that. not do that you, great. When when he's when he's doing the the water drip thing. Mm-hmm. That's fun. I love uh, I love like old. Pr- I loved. <laughs> I was about to call them antique Shawshank films. Like, I love old. I love like old prison movies because like I loved uh, or like uh, I love Man in the. I used to love Man in the Iron Mask. Okay, I did uh, love that movie, and I love uh, I love Count of Monte Cristo. Um, so it's bonkers that I've never seen The Rock. It's, I've also never seen The Rock. It's a Criterion movie. It's yeah, movie night guy. It's one of those where it's not that great of a movie it's one that i it's watched a michael bay movie it's a mike it's well back before michael bay fucked up and did transformers it's a movie i watched a lot as a kid and i just think it's funny because it's so ridiculous the, and it's really obscure also, and i don't know the, why I talk also about it so like much. the premise requires you to believe that nick cage could be a like chemist yeah. genius well that's the premise of any Nick Cage movie is, is you have to yeah, believe the suspension of disbelief thing. for any Nick Cage movie. You have to believe he's a weatherman. Yeah. You have oh to God. believe that he he's is a treasure hunter. A family man. Yeah. Oh! Uh, can we please, can we please just like, we have to have a movie night we where we watch uh, the national treasure films. Cause I, uh, the Da Vinci Code. <laughs> I love that you called him films. They're films. Da Vinci I, Code. He's not in Da Vinci Code. No, but that's also like another like dumb like. Can I tell treasure you, hunty. my yeah. my like embarrassing guilty pleasure? I've read every single Dan Brown book, uh, since, and they're all the same book, and I fucking love them. I haven't finished Origin yet. Since I haven't name dropped a teacher this whole episode, drink. Uh, I want to mention just the. I just want to. I just want to shout out to my chemistry teacher. From high school, whose name is Dan Brown. <gasps> Shut up. And if you brought in, a, he would sign a copy of Da Vinci Code for Excellent. you. Oh my God, he yes. was great. Oh, he was such a good chemistry teacher. I didn't, I barely passed that class because I, I didn't learn anything the semester before I had him, but he was great. Uh, da Vinci Code was like, whoa, like, oh, cool. Jesus was, uh, he boned Mary. Like, oh, wow, that was really controversial. But I think Angels and Demons was the better book. I'll have to mm. read them. Mm. Mm. Uh, Tom Hanks, I'm sorry, horrible casting. <laughs> that wig, that was a Nick Cage was, wig right there. Rough stuff. Nick Cage does it. Don't put Nick Cage in a wig. His crazy hair is great. There's no hair, though. It's better in a wig because it's so obviously a wig. Yeah, that's fair. 
Uh, do you have a beat? You had a angry, uh, yeah, angry beat. I got some beats. I got some bits. Okay. Um, so Jim Thorpe uh, won gold medal in the pentathlon and the decathlon. Okay, uh, that's like fifteen cathlons. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for those counting at home, you old but you good at math. I, I'm old but I go math. And uh, he had his medals stripped of him uh, because he violated amateur rules by being paid to play minor league baseball uh, in 1909 and 1910. So he wasn't technically an amateur athlete, which is a shitty fucking rule because it's not. Is baseball part of the decathlon? No. Baseball's barely a sport. True. (laughs) Sorry, I'm going to catch a lot of flack for that. I'm just a fan. So this is what I'm about to read for you now. Is from. You look visibly uh, very you, irritated. You looked very irritated when you said, I'm gonna come back with this later. And I was yeah. like, this is not gonna be good. The source uh, for what I'm about to read is BOP.gov, the Bureau of Prisons.gov. Cool, cool, cool. So just so you know where this is coming from. Yeah, this is an official government this website. Is absolutely in keeping with history. Have it your way. Yeah. You're A- welcome. After the prison closed, Alcatraz was basically abandoned. Many ideas were proposed for the island, including a monument to the United Nations, a West Coast version of the Statue of Liberty, and a shopping center slash hotel complex. In 1969, the island again made news when a group of Native American Indians claimed Alcatraz as Indian land with the hope of creating a Native American cultural center and education complex on the island. The quote-unquote Indians of all tribes used their act of civil disobedience to illustrate the troubles faced by Native Americans. Initially, public support for the Native Americans' cause was strong, and thousands of people, general public, school children, celebrities, hippies, Vietnam War protesters, Hell's Angels. The usual suspects. Yeah. Came to the island over the next 18 months. Unfortunately, the small Native American leadership group could not control the situation, and much damage occurred. Graffiti, vandalism, and a fire that destroyed the lighthouse keeper's home, the warden's home, and the officer's club. In June 1971, federal marshals removed the remaining Native Americans from the island. There's nothing here about the Laramie Act. There's nothing. Yeah. There's nothing. There's nothing. There's nothing. Of- they had a really good idea, and then ugh, they just couldn't keep it together. Yeah. yeah. They, just- they just, yeah, they're just... Uh, and then there's a picture of uh, one of the buildings burning during the occupation. Of course. Of yeah. course. Yeah, I wonder how they got such a great picture of a uh, of a burning building. Yeah. It's almost oh, like man. they it's almost like they may have set the They probably knew they it was like gonna. knew. Yeah. <sighs> <sighs> yeah, I enjoyed it in uh, in all of the sources I read that they were like they made a point of saying like a fire of unknown origin or like basically being like a suspicious fire. Also, like I'm not saying that it I'm not wasn't saying yes. But and and they, an you accident know, or wasn't the Native Americans right. or what? Yeah, but like But anytime you word it like that, also I know they probably again, they had limited resources, so maybe they weren't able to get a a fire department over there or whatever, but you can almost always trace the origin of a fire. Yeah. Like like nowadays and even even in the seventies, you know, they can be like, oh it was this or oh it was that yeah. or like And if it's this arson, it was you probably actually the arsonist was probably a firefighter. And it's and it's you can usually tell when it's arson too. Like yeah. there's there's no reason you should... Yep. Yep, sorry to 
Sorry to uh, uh, stop the honestly, on that one. I honestly, oh. uh, I thought that was, I thought that was going to be even worse than it was. Yeah, there was some, there, there was, oh yeah, some I mean, underhanded wording in there, but I, exactly. it could have, if it wasn't a .gov, it probably would have been a lot. Well, I mean, harsher. but the fact that <laughs> it is. It's like a government website yeah. framing it that way is still fucking insidious. Yeah. What what sucks is it it's we're releasing this the day after um Indigenous Peoples Day. Uh and and I wanted to do it before of when I when I when we did the episode on on Latin America. It's like I I want to find stories about non-European civilizations that don't have to do with mm -hmm. and then this is when the Europeans came over um, it's, it's like sometimes it's like sometimes it's helpful like in the last episode about the Amazons of uh, of Dahomey it's like helpful because the only written record yes and 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 you talked about it basically until they got there right yeah like you talked about yeah. them and then it's like oh and then when these guys yeah came. so it's like here and are they, the benchmarks that we at least know yeah yeah timeline because it was actually written down and even in the amazons of the homie like they they kept it a hundred yeah they're just like yeah we came and did this and they were really good yeah yeah um it's and again this comes from you know me being a white woman and again, primarily being interested in European history. And again, being in a, a school system that is going to f emphasize that history as well. Mm -hmm. um, is that I, I only know about most of this within the context of, of European history or white history. And most of it's hard to find any information outside of that context. Yeah. When that is the, how most people use their benchmarks. Um, and I would love to be able to start doing stories about uh, cultures and civilizations and stuff that don't have to do with, this is when the white people came. Um, so, hey Natalie, we got a, we got a- We got a dip. An email address. Yeah, we um, do. So if you guys have stories- If you have any questions, corrections, or suggestions of uh, things from history we might not have heard of, um, please email us at sharedhistorypodcast at gmail.com uh, like subscribe rate review give us some reviews on those podcasts and uh, find us at, at, shared pod. at shared pod on Instagram and Twitter yeah we always uh, well, we always post um, we post a lot of fun stuff on, on Instagram especially but we always post uh, some kind of like visual aids mm -hmm. uh, for each episode and, and stuff from you on they're in the show notes as well on Fridays um Wow. Uh, happy Indigenous Peoples Day. Mm -hmm. And uh, from DJ Rip, Cass, and Natalie. Share you later. Share you later. Thank you for playing Arcade Audio. Play more at arcadeaudio.net.